1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the
2: inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, the day after Everton drew 0-0 with Brighton and Hove Albion at the Amex Stadium on the south coast. Me and Adam Jones just got back from a rather pleasant journey to Brighton, where we even managed to sneak in the last half an hour of a pub being open, which was quite a a success uh, after that game. We had to watch for 90 minutes and, of course, you all had to endure as well. Adam is sitting alongside me today and we're also joined by Gavin Buckland and Dave Prentice as we look back over that game and talk about how every Everton player ever seems to be injured at this point in time. So we will start, unfortunately, Adam, with you and we will start, unfortunately, again at the Amex last night. All Everton's games have kind of felt a bit Groundhog Day, I'd say. Maybe taking the derby out at Anfield since probably around Christmas, but that one was
3: surely the worst one I think we've had, has not it? Wasn't it weird, wasn't it? I mean, you don't want to make excuses for it, but you know, you do. You do look at that team news after you know the latest raft of injuries that Everton have had, and you see six defenders all starting the game, and you do think to yourself, "Well, what a." What kind of game of football are we going to be in for here? Yeah? And I think it was pretty predictable uh, right from that moment that we weren't going to be, we weren't going to be creating many chances. We weren't going to be able to break Brighton down with any sort of real consistency over the course of the ninety minutes. And you know that 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 did kind of play out. You know, the the reason I want to say that I don't want to make excuses because you know the Everton still had. A number of quality players on the pitch there, and you know you, you do still leave that game, and you wonder to see yourself, you know, if these have been a little bit more proactive, if these have you know tried to attack Brighton a little bit more, then maybe these have come out with it. I mean, I know they had six defenders on the pitch, so you know it's obviously not not their uh, natural instinct to go and you know attack players and and stuff like that, but. You know, you, you've got the likes of gilfie Sigurton on the pitch. Could he have done a little bit more? James Rodriguez was quite quiet, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, Richarlison, I think, you know, he was starved of service, but again, he was he was pretty quiet throughout the ninety minutes. So you you just left with that with that feeling at the end of the game, where you know Brighton have peppered the Everton goal in the second half. I would say uh, somehow didn't didn't uh, find the back of the net themselves. I think that probably sums up. Uh, the problems that they've been having this season, and you know, as I wrote at the end of the game last night, the fact that Everton's only shot on target came in the 71st minute. and um, To be honest, I don't think I'm not sure it was even a shot. I think Hamed might have been trying to cross it yeah. on his right foot, to be honest, and it's kind of miscued into the goalkeeper's hands, but it counts as a shot on target. But the fact that that was a Everton's only attempt actually at goal throughout the 90 minutes kind of sums up. The problems that Everton have been having over the course of, you know, Palace game aside, over the last few weeks, isn't it? You know, just the struggle to be able to consistently create chances. And, you know, injuries does play a factor in that. But at the same time, I think Carlo Ancelotti was right in what he said at the end of the game. I don't think Everton used the ball efficiently enough. Uh, I don't personally think Everton were proactive enough when they were were getting up the other end of the pitch. And, you know, it, it just leaves you coming away from what we were all saying was another must-win game forever and and you're coming away from it with only a point and it's it's deflating really, isn't it? From the the moment you've seen the
0: team news confirmation, Preno, was there ever a point where you thought last night we're going to win this year? It just felt flat, didn't it, from the minute you knew Calvert-Lewin, Allen, Gomez, King were were all missing?
1: It did, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I, I feared the worst when I saw the team line. But having said that, I've seen Stranger Everton teams and that go and win important games. Uh, saw as when at Blackburn when David Weir and David Unsworth were a central midfield unit. Um, <laughs> and what, what won away at Coventry when uh, Phil Jevons and Danny Kadamati were, were leading the line. Peter Clark made his debut. So, you know, you can sometimes get these results, uh, you know, from unexpected situations. And there was a moment last night, right at the end, if Alex Iwobi had have done what he should have done and got that effort on target, you know, people aren't talking about it then. They're thinking about, oh, well, you know, so we we scrambled another result in extreme circumstances, you know, onwards and upwards, but we didn't. And you've got to analyse it and, you know, so ask why it didn't happen. And you've got to look at the the hand that Carlo was dealt and it was you know appalling trying to make you know so sort of a, a functional team out of those elements was so so difficult. I know Mason Holgate did spray that wonderful pass out to the other uh, right side you know so halfway through the other uh, first half, but he'll never be a central midfielder you know he's he's not really you know so sort of cut out to do that role and so it was square pegs and you know round holes all the way through. I think was it Adam that you tweeted towards the end of the game that we've now got Hames, Rodriguez, and Guilfi Sigurdsson forming our central midfield. Well, um, you know, was once quite it. it was <laughs> it's just like you yeah. know, so it was. It was like just a really surreal situation from start to finish. And I think the Carlo tried to you know engineer it as as best he could. And I understand why people have got a bit of a cob on and complaining about you know Sigurdsson should have done more, James could have done more. And yes, that that does. You know, sort of play some part in it, but it was just such a wildly imbalanced lineup from start to finish against the Brighton team, who can be decent, who can play good quality football, and you probably understand why it ended up the way it did. I saw a tweet this morning where somebody said that um, you know Everton have now officially got the worst you know so list of injuries in the Premier League at the moment. The team with the fewest injuries at the moment, are West Brom, with one player missing. And what have they just done in their last couple of games? You know, it's, it's yeah. not rocket science sometimes. If you've got like loads and loads of players missing. It's going to be difficult. It Underland again, you know, so that we do suffer from strength and depth, especially in terms of the quality players. And you take them out of the equation, as we did last night, and we're scratching around. It was rubbish, wasn't it? It was a really, really bad night's football. And uh, Hopefully, a lot of those players are going to be back on Friday and we can look ahead to that and forget about it and never talk about it ever again.
0: You think about what Preno said there as well, Gavin, looking back over Christmas, thinking about the Sheffield United game when Sigurdsson scored late on. Another game we nicked thanks to Sigurdsson was Chelsea at Goodison. I think we beat Arsenal, but again, another game that felt like it could have went either way. And as Preno said there last night, if a Iwobi had scored, it kind of would have papered over the cracks a little bit. But do you think it is injuries that have ultimately resulted in us just running out of steam, just losing that little Sutton that was just getting us over the line in some of those matches I've mentioned there?
2: Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I think it's more to do with the depth of the squad, isn't it, as Plenau said. Yeah. I think in certain areas, I mean we've got we have got an imbalanced squad in that. We've got about ten center halves. Uh, nobody can play wise right. It sounds like Gordon Lee that Pleno in the late seventies, yeah. doesn't it, really uh, <laughs> um, we've got an imbalance we've got we've got an imbalance in depth in in certain areas, haven't we? That I think that's the, the problem. Uh, I think um, I, I get We I mean, how many, you know, we you could talk all day about this. How, how many nailed on first team regulars were missing last night? Three. Carver Lewin, three goals in, was it 15 games? Alan and the And the goalkeeper, I think so Miss, it a, is it, the, the spine of the team, really, wasn't it? Pickford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 get, I get that. I get that completely. Um, but, I mean, we've. The, the point I'm getting to is when Decore and Carver-Loon have played since Christmas. As Sam as you, we've hardly tore up season that time, have we? Yeah. Um, so I think. So I, right I now, think. Are you, are
0: you including Fabian Delph as a first team or not? <laughs> <you're doing that? laughs>
2: yeah. I, th- I think. to be honest with you, Sam, I'd, I'd, I'd count the former professional Everton goalkeeper Sam Carroll as, as a closest to the first team and Delph. Uh, yeah, yeah, Georgia, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. If- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With all due respect to Fabian, of course um, But no, seriously I think it, it, it's highlighted our, our center and depth issues and Um But I don't necessarily put that last night's Performance down to a Weekend team either uh, I just felt we should have shown more on the night I mean, yeah. to play three at the back I mean, how many You know, how many defenders Do you want against Brighton, The team that's averaged The goal again game this season I, I, I've been pill- a few incessant conversations about this but I'll say it again I would have played the Wobby last night not because I think he would have added a great deal of um, extra quality because he has struggled but because I think we would have set up in a better shape then I think he could have played four at the back played four three three, maybe played the wolby the Hammers and um, the Charleston up top and a midfielder Sigurdsson Davis and Hallgate appears to have a better shape than what we put out last night. Um, and I would have done that. I would have left, you know. And, and I just think that, to me, I, I look, I'm i thinking about this. And, and the thing is, when you finish watching a game and you think about it a day later, you can have a completely different thought process, can't you? Yeah. Do you think it's quite obvious that Carlo just wanted a point last night because of the team he put out and he was saving his players for Friday? The view of getting a win against Spurs on Friday, so four points in two games is actually a good, good thing for us this week. I, I, I suspect that he didn't want to lose last night, and that was it. And that you know, because because the way I mean, it's ridiculous, fixes is scheduling, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. you're playing on consecutive weekends, but you've got games four days apart. I mean, that's ludicrous, isn't it? Yeah, ludicrous. Yeah. You know, you know, a player plays a plays a plays you know a like flies across all teams. The, the, the fixture know, list across that, the board
1: has been mental this season. Yeah, but, I was looking. Well, I was looking at Tottenham's experience over the next week because somebody said a Tottenham playing a fixture before a cup final. I was getting excited, thinking, "Wow, they're going to be playing on Sunday, just yeah. forty-eight hours after the play does." But they're not. They're playing us on Friday. They have got a game against Southampton on Wednesday. Then they've got a Carabao Cup final on Sunday. So it's not just them, isn't yeah. you know,
2: A lot of teams. Are yeah, but out. no. Yeah, but I think what I'm saying there, Dave, is how can you have playing consecutive weekends but only play yeah. oh match weeks as you like to, to call them now, okay, don't they? Yeah, how can yeah. you play in successive match weeks but have games four days apart? Yeah. that's affected effectively. You're playing next midweek, fix then, aren't you? Know, yeah. and it's, it's ludicrous. And um, I think that certainly informed Ka- uh, Carlos. Um, Team selection and tactics last night. I think he just wanted a point. Preparing oh, to man. gamble on beating Spurs on, my, on, on Friday. Mm. And I think the schedule and the fixtures has contributed towards that. I can take a sit back as host here, Adam. Do, do you agree with Gavin?
0: Was Was Carlo looking for a point and, and edging his bets towards Friday?
3: Um, I think... I... I think it's. I think it's tough. <laughs> to, to, yeah. It's tough to suggest that, though, isn't it? Because it's 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 placing a whole amount of risk on beaten spares at home as well, yeah. which is which has not been our forte this season. <laughs> let's be honest. So, I just can't see Carlo thinking like that. You know, I, I really do think that when he says, you know, he's taking it game by game. I do. I do think that he is taking it game yeah. by game, as you say. You know, I do agree with you that you know, Iwobi probably would have allowed us to have a better shape, and I, I do completely agree with that. But Iwobi is so out of form, whereas yeah. Yeah. You know, the play—I'd I'd say the players that we have on the pitch, those eleven players are all more in form than Alex Iwobi at the minute, which is, yeah, you know, which kind of speaks to me as to why, why Carlo has done that, and I still and I still think that you know those players on the pitch. Uh, as you were rightly saying before as well, they all could have done more. Like they, they yeah. all had the quality to to play better than they did. I think, you know, Barton. I think, I think Ben Godfrey had a great game. I think Tom Davis did quite yeah. well in centre mid, considering that he had, you know, Mason Holgate next to him, and he was trying to drag him through the game essentially. So I thought Tom Davis played quite well. I thought Seamus Coleman did did all right down the right right flank, but you know, there were there were too many other players who were just. A bit, a bit, a bit quiet for for you know the for the performances that we know they can put in and they have put in throughout this season in a, in all the matches. You know you, where is, where is that sort of like little magic, little bit of magic from Hammers or Sigurdsson or you know Richarlison going on one of his mad runs to to set himself up for a goal. It, there was just there was never any of that verve or desire from Everton yesterday, and I don't think that's. Necessarily down to shape, I, I think that was just down to the personnel themselves. And I think that's why Seamus Coleman was coming out after the game and saying we can't we can't moan about injuries because at the end of the day, Everton had enough quality on that pitch to win that game in different circumstances. And I think they will be disappointed with themselves that they haven't that they haven't been proactive enough. I would say to uh, to go and try and influence the result in that sort of way.
2: To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price,
0: price line. Well, no, I felt a little bit soddy for Richarlison last night in terms of, you know, leading the line without Calvert Lewin and the service. Well, it was just non existent, I think. But yeah. what about Hammers last night? It was probably one of the most off colour performances I've seen from him since joining Everton and. Is there a little bit of a concern that when things don't go right for him, they don't generally
1: seem to go well for us as a team, do they? Um, I'll, I'll address both elements. I mean, uh, the, the Richarlison issue, yes, definitely felt a little bit of a sympathy for him. Yeah. I mean, he was having a go and all of our game plan appeared to be set up towards getting the best out of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who wasn't there. There were two or three yeah. decent balls pinged across the box, that you're just waiting for like a Calvert-Lewin to attack and he wasn't there. And so obviously we needed to be a bit cuter than that and to try and be, you know, sort of playing through the lines, if you like, Um, similar to how we did maybe to a lesser degree at Wolves, you know, so when he wasn't there. Uh, But that didn't happen. So, yeah, I felt very sorry for him. Hammers was a strange one because there was that moment in the first half that just it was it, it made the night for me. That I mean, well, yeah. not that anything else did, but you know the the exquisite touch to open up the space and that incredible pass, you know, sort of inside for Sigurdsson who should have you know sort of done far better with it than he actually did. And eventually, I think Luca Dean won, won a corner from it, but it should have actually produced more. That underlined the absolute quality that that fella has, and and I thought he, he worked hard last night. I thought he had a go. Um, He's still it's only a second game back, isn't it after a, you know a short spell out? So uh, I don't think there was anything too much to worry about unnecessarily. I think you know the fact that we never had that platform of a, a central midfielder you know, meant he had to do you know more than maybe he would have done normally defensively and tracking back and couldn't quite be that you know sort of free spirit that he often can be. So no, I wasn't overly concerned. I was more concerned when I saw him limping again where you know somebody sort of clipped him. And again, that like mad Darren England decision not to give us a free kick on the edge of the box, but he was just taken oh, out. Yeah. And I was like, play on, play on, advantage. Sorry, where's the advantage there? you know, a free kick 20 yards from goal with, you know, Sigurdsson and Rodriguez on the pitch and he wanted us to play on. But, yeah, that, that's by the by. So, no, I, I wasn't really concerned. It was just one of those nights where none of the creative players really got the opportunity to sparkle that much. Um, hopefully, it'd be a lot better on Friday night with Alan available, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin leading the line, you know, so with other players, you know, more of a recognisable team there. Uh, I'm just a bit concerned it's only four days recovery time for him and we do need to wrap him in cotton wool at the moment.
0: But Preno speaks there, Gav, about, you know, Everton's creative players. How many players in this Everton squad are huh. truly creative in terms of, you know, the numbers they post for creating chances and, and getting assists? You know, potentially only Dean, Rodriguez uh, and, and Sigurdsson as well. But I, I thought yeah. last night he was quite passive in his performance. It's It's still an area, you know... I think it was three, four minutes in when Hammers got the ball last night. A a Brighton player was just screaming tight, tight, tight. And there was a few times when he had two, three men round him and it was quite clear they kind of wanted to nullify that threat. I think that was the point I was more trying to make is that if teams do say, let's go out, let's man mark him, let's have two or three people around him at all times, Everton have got to have a plan B, C, D to create goals, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I mean we have had some decent results when he's not been in the team, mind, haven't we? Um, yeah. But we are we are a team reliant on set pieces, which I think the stats bear us out, don't they? Yeah. Just looking at something this morning, since that initial flurry of goals at the start of the season uh, at home, uh, our last twenty six Premier League games, we only scored twenty nine goals. This is a goal again, really, and so once you once you take set pieces out of that, um. You're not really, doesn't really point to a lot of creativity, as you say, Sam. I mean, that's why I would have played guilty in midfield last night uh, to at least get some creativity there. But the way we set up, we didn't allow ourselves that um, that, that eventuality. But yeah, you are right. I mean, that's something that needs adjusting, isn't it, really? We've, you know, if you take away, if you extend it further, I mean, Richarlison can, okay, you know, he, he has his moments, doesn't he? But you take away Carver Lewin's goals, Sigurdsson and uh, Rodriguez's you know, creativity. What have we got? No,
1: Rich Allison is
2: very good, but his stats don't bear that out at the moment. I really like Rich Alison. Last, last <laughs> uh, well it's but it's, no, but it's, it's an like, interesting one, isn't it? It's an interesting oh, one, right. isn't it? We get we're getting to the then the real number of the matter here, aren't we, really, is yeah. that, you know, it, it points to where we need to improve, isn't it, really? And, and yeah. I tell you what, it's testing me that we're, we're saying about these weaknesses within the squad, but we're still within the shelves of top seven, aren't we? Yeah. So it's not all doom and gloom, but What we're, yeah. what we're saying is where we need to improve going forward. Yeah. And we've said so that on the top several times.
0: What you've just said there, Gav, ties in nicely with a piece, Adam, has written today, and I don't know if you... Wanna unleash this statistic Adam about players who've played, but basically the, the stat is that when our key is it five, six players? Six
3: players, yeah. Six, six players.
0: players of Dean, Alan, the Charles Charles Charleston, Calvert Lewin,
3: and, Cal- and have played
0: together. Our record is played four, what drew one? Yeah. One of us. Yeah.
3: So yeah. Sorry, play, play five. Play five, one four, draw one. Yeah. But they've only played five times together so
0: those players have only played five times together undefeated and as Gav's saying adam if if those five players had stayed together six players had stayed together on the pitch more often this season could we be talking about a team that you know was sitting comfortable in third
3: or fourth in the table well i think that's again it's a tough question to try and answer isn't it because i think you know as I sort of qualified in the piece there have been multiple occasions where five of them have played together yeah. and they definitely should have pr- produced a, a better result than they did and you know they've fell at the uh, f- failed to produce that you know uh, yeah. thinking against Fulham and Newcastle in particular I think five of them played together and you know they just weren't able to get a result in either of those games so you know I think I think it's hard to suggest that, but I think it, it's it's certainly an issue. The, the is kind of out of Carlo Ancelotti's control, isn't it? And I, I do feel I do feel for Ancelotti in a way because obviously he doesn't want to set up Everton like like they were yesterday. Yeah. You know, he does he doesn't want to see Everton playing in that sort of, you know, Uber defensive sort of manner, especially when you go into a side like Brighton, you you know, while they do play some really nice football, they're down at that end of the table for a reason and it's because they can't really score goals. So you don't really need to play all that defensive against them. Like you, you do need to go at them a bit more, but he just didn't have... I, d- I really think he didn't have the facilities to be able to to uh, to be able to do that, which yeah. is, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of occasions this season where he just hasn't had that available to him. You know, he's made three big signings in the summer there of Alain Decore and James Rodriguez. And, uh, you know, he's hardly got those three on the pitch together with, you know, the... Three of the players who, at the you know last season, you'd have said are are our most influential. Funnily enough, if you throw Ben Godfrey into the mix, by the way, uh, those seven players have only played to play together twice, and one of them was when Godfrey came off the bench against Liverpool uh, at Goodison. So, you know, it's it's been really tough for Ancelotti, and you know, I, I do think that that perhaps speaks as to why we've well for one been so inconsistent this season yeah and for two like we've changed styles so much this season because it's it it really does just seem that as soon as a player comes back from injury another one goes out and we've got to like shift things around again to try and you know find the right formation for the players that we've we've got uh, at our disposal and I think it goes back to what we were we were all saying before you know it does just point to squad depth because you know injuries aren't going to go away injuries are injuries are always going to be a factor, you know, next season, the season after, Everton are going to have injuries. And, yeah. you know, they might not be as bad as they were for this Brighton game, but, you know, at some point, Everton are going to have to deal with a lot of injuries. But it's about the players who then step into the side and it's about, you know, how how they can fit into, you know, different t- types of systems. You know, Everton needed attacking players to come into that system yesterday and they just didn't have enough in, in, the, yeah. in the squad to be able to do that, I don't think. So you know, it, it, it's going to take it's going to take a few transfer windows to to get that kind of that kind of squad depth, isn't it? Because you know, I, I, I do think Coleman is right. You can't can't just keep harping on about injury. At the same time, you can't you can't ignore injuries either. They they have been a huge factor for Everton this season, and it's a shame. But you know, as Gav rightly says, you know the, the opportunity is still there for them. So yeah, uh, the sooner the sooner these players realise that, and you know. Just give it all they've got yeah. for these last few games. Then you know, fingers crossed, they might be able to uh, they might be able to pull off something special. Well, injuries have been a consistent factor in in
0: this Everton season, Preno, but they have also been a consistent factor in the Everton career of Jean Philippe they The quite unbelievable news that he would again miss the rest of the season after coming back for 11 minutes against Crystal Palace last week broke before the game at Brighton. Can you even put into? Obviously, this time it's different. It's a freak injury. It's an impact injury, but it must be so hard to take. For firstly, for for Jabaman, but secondly, for all those at the club who've helped him through the first couple of injuries, and were you know rightfully delighted to to see him back on the football pitch.
1: I really, really do feel devastated for the lad. I mean, I saw some of the comments on social media last night about. You know, Blues fans who are just as frustrated. You know, complaining. You know, is he made out of balsa wood? And that's so harsh because, you know, it, it's an impact injury. It's a freak injury. You know, so one of his teammates has fallen onto his knee. Uh, yeah. You know, that that's that is a freak. That that is just like something that you know, so sort of could happen to any player, but to happen to him when he's just finally, you know, so on his comeback is, it's it, it's dreadful news and. um Can he be the same player again? You you don't know. We don't know how long it's going to be. He's having a scan today, isn't he? We don't know exactly what the results of that scan is, but medial ligament injury, you know, it sounds like, well, obviously this season's going to be a write-off and it's going to be like next season now. So it's effectively, you know, two full seasons, is it? You know, so we won't have seen him for. And there is a precedent. I mean, Paul Bracewell came back after the spell as long as that, you know, so out of the side. But I would suggest maybe he wasn't quite the same player again. You know, so after that, um, Adrian Heath came back after you know sort of really serious injury, and to me wasn't quite the same player again. Both very very good players, but not quite you know sort of at their peak. Mm-hmm. Kabamens young enough, you know, to, to, to go again and, and to recapture you know sort of that dynamism and that that zest that he had, but it's got to be a question mark. So yeah, all you can do is offer your sympathies. And again, I've seen people say, "Oh, he's a professional footballer; he's earning this amount of money, that amount of money." That doesn't matter. What matters is that this fellow's had his profession taken away from him through absolutely no fault of his own. And uh, we've said before on this podcast about all the psychological, you know, unsettlement he's had to endure through, you know, so rehabilitating during a pandemic—the really strange situation that he's been forced to like live through. And you've just got to offer him as much support as you possibly can and be as sympathetic as you possibly can because it is, it's horrendous news, horrendous news for him. And uh, it does cast a doubt on what kind of football he's going to be when he comes back. We can only hope that he comes back as fit as he was, you know, so before all these problems started for him.
2: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
0: Me, me and Adam were talking yesterday about, you know, Carlo had already kind of admitted that depending on how Jabaman came back, Everton might still need to kind of find a a, repla- a, a like-for-like replacement for when he when he couldn't be in the side and potentially top up the midfield. But, you know, to, to stick with the theme we've kind of spoken about on this podcast about depth, you know, about having a, a good group of players together for as long as you can through the season. You've got your Jabama now out, injured again until the end of the season. Not really sure when he'll be back for pre-season. Fabian Delph has been kind of almost ever missing. There's question marks over Andre Gomez and his form since, you know, he suffered his own hotter injury. This has probably been the most football Tom Davies has had in quite a few seasons. Decore is out injured Tyler Onyango yeah. the coming midfielder is out injured the midfield has been totally decimated you would be hard pressed to suggest if someone came in and offered to take Fabian Delph off the wage bill in the summer that Marcel Brands would say no but there's other areas that need looking at in the summer isn't there so it's difficult but how high up now would you say a new midfielder could be now on Carlo and Marcel's shopping list?
1: It's, it's been elevated. I wouldn't say it's an absolute priority, but it's, it's been elevated to close to being a priority now because you, you can't rely on Gabamin's recovery. You can't plan uh, for next season that you know, he's going to be you know, sort of fit and rearing because we don't know. Uh, Fabian Delft, I think we've learned already that you know, we can't rely on his fitness. So again, you can't plan for that. Andre Gomez is a different issue. I mean, it's a form issue at the moment rather than a fitness issue. So you know, I'm still quite hopeful and optimistic that you know we'll see Andre Gomez, the the pre-injury Andre Gomez that you know that we saw again sometime. But that still means that yes, we do need you know sort of more depth in there. I was thinking when you were talking earlier about um, you know sort of the injuries situation. If for some miracle we get into Europe next season, that's going to be like games every four days anyway. And yeah. you know, Carlo has changed the, uh, the the transfer and recruitment dynamic in that he's recruited players who are a bit older. Rodriguez is twenty nine, as he thirty? Uh, Alan, you know, so twenty seven maybe. So players 30, 30 is, uh, Don't be taking years off Alan Pro. <laughs> is he that old? Is he really? Well, again, yeah. that that they are players that you know will pick up injuries more frequently as a result of that, just a fact of life, um, and will not recover as quickly as a result. And so, yes, it has become a priority we need, you know, so a younger, you know, some more reliable elements, you know, so in that part of the squad that we can play, you know, so and concern concerned too. And again, we need players of quality, because as we saw last night, you can't just like, you know, so bring in, you know, square pegs in round holes, you need good quality replacements. So it looks like a fairly major, you know, so recruitment strategy needs to be undertaken this summer. We're already talking about the areas that need to be replaced. You know, So we need a striker. We need a right back. You know, So we need maybe somebody who can play. You know, So you know, one of the wide positions, we're equally midfield now. Looks like um, a more pressing priority. So it suddenly becomes like a big shopping list now, as opposed to just like two or three high-quality players, which is what we got last summer. So interesting summer ahead. I mean, fortunately, the, you know, the financial fair play regulations appear to be changing and appear to be using a little bit. Um, you know, so you can now spend more than you turn over. So you know, Far has proven in the past he's never shy when it comes to investing in the squad. So maybe he might be called upon to be doing so again, and maybe we'll have to look at you know some midfield as an
2: urgent priority this summer.
0: Do you agree with that, Gar?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think, to, I think the ice is, the ice is. Priority, isn't it, really, for me? I think right back and a right attack, right right hand attacking player. You said we've got like just a lack of creativity, and we just need to adjust that. Um the, the sad, I mean, going back to Gabaman is, you know, we spoke about this on the on the pod several times. Is the importance of him getting game time between now and the end of the season, which wouldn't doubt yeah. be in the case with giving Carlo an opportunity to to see how he fits in and to. To shape some of our recruitment during the summer, perhaps. Be interesting to see what the goings are there too. Um, but yeah, it's you feel sorry for Gabaman's only, it's just it's just awful. But yeah, we I mean you would hope that the the shackles of uh FFP maybe won't be as stringent this year as previous years. And this is where like seventh is also important, you know, assuming that you know the, the cups are won by the right teams. You know, European football is quite beneficial, even if you just say in the group stages, isn't it, really? And i actually, you know, that couple of extra, extra quid can be very helpful in terms of shaping the team. So, yeah, it, it's it's all a bit frustrating, but there's probably a lot more work now as the season panned out to be done during the summer than was apparent previously.
0: It does show the fine margins as well,
2: Adam, because, you know, if
0: Jabam and I came back, I'd got a fair few games under his belt, and we kind of sat there and been like, hang on, this this lad's what we need. He's ideal. He looks, he looks up to speed. And in the summer, you kind of say, Jabaman, Tom Davies, young up-and-coming midfielder. Maybe if Gomez had hit a little bit of form at the end of the season, Allen and Decor you could say, right, there's five central midfielders we're, were boxed off, and and that's not including Delph either. So... But now that he's out, in probably not
3: worth including. Say, but, as well, <laughs> but
0: you know, now that he's out injured, it kind of then just starts raising more questions, doesn't it? And I think that's what it's hard in football to say unlucky sometimes. But it does feel sometimes Marcel Brands has just been a
3: little bit unlucky with a couple of players he has brought into the club. Well, I think if we if we're talking about unlucky, then we've <laughs> we've got to talk about Gabaman first, then, haven't we? Because yeah. you know, I've, I can only echo what the lads have said there. Like, I. I I do wonder how much bad luck one player can have in the space of just just two years, like less than two years, isn't it? Since he since he joined Everton, August twenty nineteen, he signed, and you know, it just since then, it's just been it's just been really hard for him, hasn't it? I mean, this last like, one, like you, you just couldn't you couldn't script it, could you? You know, the one the one pl- like the one player to have one of his teammates fall on his knee and have ligament damage, like it's yeah. just. To, to have three, you know what? Obviously, we don't know the results of the scan yet, but this is you know going to rule them out for the season. So I'd call it an, another long term injury. So you know to have three long term injuries back to back just after joining a club is just monumental bad luck uh, for Gabamin. And yeah, I think I think you're quite right in what you say about you know Marcel Brands as well. You know it, it it's it's quite bad luck. That Ever Everton do find themselves in this sort of situation, you know, with the midfielders, especially, you know, to have, you know, Alan. You know, we said it. We said it in one of the podcasts last week. I think, you know, Alan. I don't think we've really seen a fully fit Alan for for very long at all this season. Maybe three or four weeks yeah. all told. We, we've had a fully fit Alan just just because he's had, you know, a couple of niggling in, injuries here and there, and then he had his obviously his big hamstring injury, didn't he? So, you know, it, there was he's had his issues this season. You know, obviously we've lost to Corey to a long-term injury. As you mentioned about Gomez, you know, has he been really the same since he's come back from his own? Yeah. sort of a long-term issue. You know, Fabian Delph, I think he's only played seven games maybe this season. Yeah. He definitely hasn't played since mid-December uh, when he uh, when he came off against Burnley after less than half an hour. So, you know, it, it, it is just bad luck sometimes, but it, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like, Injuries just happen. Like, I think, like, it's going back to Seamus Coleman again. I think he's right in what he says. You know, it's part and parcel of football that you're going to have injuries. And sometimes you do just get the bad luck that they just tend to pile up in one position for you. And, you know, it it does make it, it does really make it much harder to judge when you're going into the transfer window because, you know, you're quite right in saying, you know, if Gabamon could, you know, regain regain his fitness and then, you know, find some form behind him, then he could be quality. You know, if Andre Gomez can find his form again, then he'd be quality and, you know, etc. etc. et cetera. But he, I, don't, I just don't think Everton can really rely on those, you know, if scenarios anymore. You know, I think Everton just need to try and find themselves a sure thing. So I think Preno's right in what he said previously, that the midfield just has elevated itself in priority now because... It, it, it's really harsh on, on Gabamon but Everton do need to find somebody who's going to be able to fill that sort of role if it's going to be somebody who's going to come in and you know challenge that position for Gabamon when he is fit and he's ready to come back to the team then so be it to be honest it's 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 going to have to be done especially yeah. if Everton are going to get into Europe you know we do need a bigger squad uh, then we've been talking about strength and depth all the way through then this is this is part and parcel of that as well isn't it so you know, some, you can say some of it's down to bad luck, but, you know, Everton, you know, it, it was never going to be fixed all in one transfer window. But I think Everton were kind of maybe slightly prepared for this in, in, a, in a way. You know, you are just going to get injuries throughout the course of the season. And I think a lot of Everton fans know that, you know, this, this squad isn't the biggest, especially in terms of quality in depth. So, it's gonna it's gonna take a while until Everton can fully fix this across every area of the, of the squad. So this is this summer is gonna be you know the the next in in line of many really important transfer windows for the club, isn't it? You know it just it just feels like I do feel like we've said it for the last six, seven, eight, nine, ten transfer windows. Oh yeah, this one's really important. <laughs> But like we're, uh, we're going to keep saying it, aren't we? Like until until we've actually got a bit of quality and depth in this squad, then we are just going to keep saying it. So I just, I just think this one's no different. And so another Everton player, Preno
0: who we need to send our best wishes to is is Towson I mean, to talk about bad luck, Cenk suffered a serious injury alone at Crystal Palace last season. Looked like he was going to miss the Euros. Was given a little bit of respite when the Euros was pushed back a year and. Got a kind of dream loan move back to Besiktas, and he's now undergone surgery and will be returning to Everton after another really serious knee injury suffered in Turkey. Another desperately bad luck story, and it's just sad, isn't it? Really, not much more to say on that.
1: It is, yeah. I mean, funnily enough, just before you know, so we started recording this podcast, I was uh, reading an article from the Turkish press about uh, how how emotional uh, that whole situation was. Uh, yeah. Bessiktash players. He's a very popular lad, Cheng Tosen And, um, and uh, you know, he's very popular amongst his teammates at Everton. And uh, likewise, back at Besiktas. And uh, they were left in tears, um, you know, when, uh, when the injury happened. He was uh, a freak injury again, really. And it's, uh, you know, an injury that he suffered when he was at Crystal Palace. And, you know, he's come back successfully from that. And suffered something very, very similar. Uh, so, yeah, it does, you know, It sounds that sounds grim. And um, the, the president of uh, Besiktas is actually saying uh, the issue is not only a knee injury, he's also psychologically affected. He feels depressed. Uh, we've tried to give him morale. We've tried to build him up. But, you know, clearly, you know, it's, it's going to take some time to overcome that. So, you know, we... We lose sight of that sometimes, don't we? You know, so when we see players getting injured, we treat them a little bit just like commodities, you know. And I know managers treat them like that, you know. So certainly supporters, you know, sort of do. And you know, if, if they're not available to us, we tend to forget about them. And yet, they're human beings, you know. So we've got all kinds of issues to try and you know, sort of come through. And again, I know people are say, well, they get well rewarded for it financially, but the psychological impact of you know, so sort of having to overcome something like that, uh, you know, Cheng the age that he's at. The fact that he plays, you know, so in a position in the pitch where you need sharpness, where you need pace, is he going to be able to come back again? You know, so is that his career at a good level? You know, so actually ended now. You don't know. You got to try and think about all those things. You know, so when you're assessing a situation like this, so again, it's, it's really bad news. Um, has it been exacerbated by the situation that we're playing football in the moment where we're asking players to play? You know, so really unusual times, three or four days. You know, the, the game is a lot faster and more frenetic than it's ever been. And there has been some mad fixture scheduling this season. I don't know if it's quite the same in Turkey as it is in this country. Uh, so maybe I'm just like sort of talking out the top of my head there. But, you know, you just, uh, you just, you've got to basically just feel immense amounts of sympathy for him. As we started, when we talked about Gabalin, exactly the same goes for Cheng Tereson. It's very, very sad. It's very, very disappointing to hear. you just got to wish the lad well and hope that he does come back, you know, sort of fit and, you know, sort of able to resume his, uh, his career again.
0: Well, hopefully next time we are talking, about it's a lot more positive. Uh, oh,
1: there's a lot, of, a lot of negativity in this one, isn't there? No. <laughs>
0: is it? No, we've, yeah. we've had more positive podcasts, but I think we're all hopeful that the good times can still come back at the end of this season. Hopefully the Blues have just got that little bit more left in the tank to push us into Europe and beyond. And of course, hopefully you've all enjoyed the pubs and the shops reopening this week as well. So it's not all doom and gloom, we just need Everton to start applying the results on the pitch. But thank you so much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. We've been Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, Gav Buckland and Sam Cadell. And we will join you again next time.
2: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.